Welcome to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative, a podcast that challenges what it means to be a high performer. Here are your hosts, Lauren Williams and Rob Kalvaroski. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative. As always, I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and we have our in-house high performance coach and former Wisconsin Badger, Lauren Williams. Lauren, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. It's a little chilly outside, so I'm trying to stay warm inside. But uh, things things are going well here, and I'm excited to get into this one. So we got we got to dig a little bit deeper about chilly in St. Louis. How chilly is it? Uh, today it is negative twelve Celsius, which I'm sure just sounds like child's play to where you are right now. <laughs> Well, so actually today, so I'm just going to tell you how how crazy it is here. It's a warm day today, and I think we're around the same temperature. Tomorrow, it's going to warm up to around zero. But literally the last two weeks, we had minus 30 to minus 40. And I couldn't start my car the other day, and now I have to get a new – I got a new car battery yesterday. So (laughs) that's, that's the nature of the game in Edmonton. And from halfway around the world, probably about as far as you can get from Edmonton, we have a special guest, one of my friends and someone who, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, he runs his own breakfast TV show. We have Greg Ward with us. Greg, how are you? Uh, kia ora, uh, uh, kōrua. Nice to um, be here, and I'm fabulous. Thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, yeah, I'm so um, so looking forward to uh, chatting. Um, it's it's pretty cold here. It's about 17 degrees Celsius. Um, so we're uh, so uh, I'm I'm just sort of wrapped up. I might put the air conditioning on very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get those shorts on now, Greg. For people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and like what's your journey with mental health uh righty ho so um i am uh i live in new zealand but uh originally i was uh, i was born in england we immigrated here when i was uh, just a small child um went through the usual kind of growing up uh challenges living in a small country town uh ended up um uh, joining the military, spent uh, uh, four years in radio communications uh, before getting out and travelling, headed across to uh, the UK, and from there I got more, much more focused into the performance world, um, got signed to a band there with a record company, had a had a huge amount of fun, made no money, but just had a, <laughs> a huge, huge amount of fun along the way. Um, but it was really around about those that sort of stage that I really started to actually look at my own mental state and uh, how I was tracking through life. Had a fairly challenging upbringing, a lot of domestic violence in the household, um, stress. Uh, in hindsight, uh, a significant amount of PTSD um, coming off the back of those uh, very, very stressful um, experiences and relationships. But of course, when you're in the midst of it, you don't really recognize that uh, until you actually start doing self-reflection. But it was really at that stage I started to look at myself and go, okay, so, um, uh, and you and I talked about this before, Rob, um, uh, in terms of relationships. And one of the things uh, growing up is that I didn't really have great role models in terms of how to track through life in relationships. And so I'd have these short two to three week relationships continuously. And it always finds them silly reason to end that relationship and it's like oh you know her, her, her voice is just uh, we sh- her questions are too high pitched at the end or um uh, 
you know, her feet might be too too big. <laughs> I don't know. All just crazy, silly reasons, right? And they're all just reasons because I wasn't able to um, focus on a relationship. And it took me years to get to the point where I had this epiphany that maybe, maybe I'm the one who's got the problem. <laughs> so I had to actually start looking at myself. And, and that was the moment of really, really starting that self-reflection. But very high highs, very low lows across the course of my life. Uh, and then getting into this game, which is uh, in the speaking world, working a lot as an MC, traveling a lot, going from conference to conference, hotel to hotel. It's quite a lonely life. Uh, and I found solace in alcohol. <laughs> hey. um, and not a not a great thing. Um, it's uh, I've always said it's not a performance enhancer. Uh, and I, I never would never drink during the work. But after it in the low points after after you finish the highs of, of events i found that i was using it pretty much as a crutch uh, which took me to a very dark spot in um uh 2018 um where i attempted suicide in a in a hotel and thankfully not successfully and from that point it was actually the in the following days it was the first time i ever spoke about my own emotional sort of journey from a stage to an audience and it was needed it was cathartic it was uh, a moment of sharing the one thing that came off the back of that was walking through the crowd at the end of that uh, event someone came up just gently touched my arm and said thank you for sharing that i thought i was the only one and it was that moment just that moment that i realized that if i shared my reality it had the power to help other people. It's it's like such an incredible story, and and I think, you know, Greg, like we've talked before about it, but but I think there's a lot there, right? And and something that I want to talk about, just my experience as well, is like when you had your suicide attempt, you did mm. exactly what every other high achiever does, and I did too. Like I had one, and I literally got up the next morning. And I went to my therapy session and I pretended like nothing happened. And then I went to work and no one knew of it. No one, I never really told anyone for a long time. And I think it's such a common thing for people out there is just like, you just stuff it down and you just go about your business. And there's no like reflection around what does this even mean? Like, I didn't even know if I really even tried or was this even real? Like, you're kind of like almost disassociated from reality. Like, how was how was it for you? That's exactly what it was like. It's, the, it's, it's, and I don't, I don't want anyone else to go through that process. And it, it's, it's a weird thing of, and you, just, you touched on that. It's like, did I even try that? That's that weird disassociation of you don't, you kind of go and you, and you minimize it. You go, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't, was it really an attempt? It's like, oh my gosh, yes. Uh, uh, but you, you box it up, compartmentalize it and push it away. And the thing was, like, as you said, the following morning, I was up and into the, into the day, put the facade on. So I always to say, I've got this facade, right? You place whatever, whatever everybody else needs or wants, I'm going to provide that. And that role as a, professional MC is a hospitality role. It's all about you. It's all about the client. It's about how can I support you? And so you put that veneer on and everything's okay. Da, 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 da. 
but behind the scenes, uh, it's, it's that lovely image of the, the clown behind the makeup. Um, and, and that's really the, the, the essence of it. But what, what actually sparked the me sharing was the fact that the convener of that conference had asked me if I would talk at the end of this conference, because one of the themes was well-being at this event. Uh, he said, would you, he says, I'm going to talk at the end about uh, some anxiety issue that I've got, uh, but I'm only going to speak for about 15 minutes. We've got a half hour slot. Can you fill 15 minutes with a story, something around well-being? I can't reveal to him in that state what had happened. But of course, I'm in hospitality mode. So I go, yep, sure, absolutely. Whatever you need, I'll, I'll work it out. So I came up with some story that I possibly could share. And then he told the story on stage at the end of that event, and it was he'd uh, just about drowned with his son, and he'd taken his son out, 14 years old, out surfing. He's not a surfer, he's not a swimmer, but they got caught in a rip, and they're being pulled out, and he realised that he, he doesn't have the strength to hold his son up. His son's not a good swimmer too. And they're just about to go under for the final time, and some paddle boarders saw them, came across, picked them up, and pulled them back to shore, and it was, it was very, very close. So he had this series of anxiety attacks after that, and he couldn't sleep and couldn't breathe at night. And he eventually decided he would go and um, get swimming lessons, but he did it in secret. So he didn't tell his family anything about this. And he spent ages getting more and more confident, hated the process, but he, he loved the result. And he was revealing this for the first time on stage, and he'd invited his family to be there, so his son and his wife, uh, while he told them about what he'd been going through live in front of a live audience uh and it was that as i listened to him i realized that i couldn't just come up with some glib thing and that was the catalyst that i really needed so as much as i was the catalyst for the person in the audience he was the catalyst for me standing on that stage um and i didn't talk about what had happened but i just shared the this whole challenge of the really high highs and the very low lows that come off the back of that and the sense of disconnect with the group because you are part of the group but you're not really part of that group as well and, and you know like that's how vulnerability works right and i know you know this now right but it's like that's how vulnerability works is if you open space by being vulnerable other people can open space or you're opening space for them and you know it's like a snowplow right like you plow the way in and you give yeah. space for people behind you and and that's really like the reason for this show, to be honest, like I told a story in a group that Lauren and I are in and I plowed a space into that group and then it opened space for Lauren to talk about her struggles. And I think like that's the point of this show, right, is yeah. we are plowing space for people all around the world to have conversations. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing what Greg did and just standing up in front of a room or doing what I did and just blasting it out on a podcast. But uh but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it's taking that conversation and bringing it out into the world because we're not alone. As much as we feel alone, we're not. Yeah. And Lauren, maybe do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how much of your job and your customers is, is this, they put on this veneer of everything's perfect and yet it's like, we're all the same. We're all going through the same struggles. Like talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And first, uh, I love the mid-February snowplow analogy. It's just perfect timing for that. But I think what I can talk about is 
my own experience with that. Um, I remember specifically one day sitting in our locker room and um, at Wisconsin and it's like, like a beautiful locker room. And I was thinking to myself, like, how did I get here? Because I was so overwhelmed with feelings of like, I, I wasn't good enough to be there. I was worse than everybody else that I was sitting next to. I was in this little box in the corner by myself. And then I suddenly had this thought of like, am I seriously the only one in this high performance environment that's feeling these things? And I remember like looking at each one of my teammates and thinking, she looks happy. She looks happy. She's always happy. Am I the only one having this kind of dialogue that's worrying about showing up and playing well, that's worried about, you know, like getting basically outed as a fraud and not actually belonging here. Um, and that was the catalyst for me getting into this stuff was I, I kind of turned on my logical brain and said, no, there's absolutely no way that I'm the only person. That's not possible. We are all insecure in some way. Um, whether or not it's in your athletic realm or in relationships or in school, it's there's there's some way that we don't feel like we're enough because at some point we're taught to feel that way. Whether it's, oh, you need to be more humble and bring that into, okay, well, maybe I'm not good at such and such. Um, or maybe you were reinforced with that belief when you were younger and told that you weren't good enough at something. Um, but in terms of, of, of helping other people with this, yeah, it's so common. And I see it a lot in elite athletes who are struggling mentally and still getting up at 6am to go to workout seven days a week. And, and they say, <laughs> yeah, I know. And they say, you know, I can't take a day off because if I take a day off, somebody else is going to surpass me. And I'm thinking, but you're hanging on by a thread. You need to take an off day because what that actually does for you mentally and physically is going to be more beneficial than running yourself into the ground over and over again. But they can't even admit to themselves that they're running their body and their mind into the ground because they're so committed to this idea of, I have to show other people that I'm doing everything possible to fit into this elite athlete persona or to fit into this, I am strong, I am capable, I am worthy of a spot and of playing time narrative that is so, so damaging to, I mean, elite athletes, to entrepreneurs who are trying to start a business. The same kind of stuff happens where it's like this mentality of the grind. Like, oh, you have to grind it out in order to be successful. Well, you also have to learn how to work sustainably and and not put yourself into the ground and, and burn out because that's not going to help you get to your goals any sooner either. Um, so it's just educating on that and, you know, taking away the judgment that is associated with letting yourself have time and space to just relax and take a break. It's an interesting point, isn't it? That, that judgment factor is that we we don't judge other people who actually take that break, right? That we we applaud them, we look at them and go, "Yeah, that's smart." But when we talk about ourselves, we find that that uh, is the, quite the reverse. 
uh, interesting what you're saying that that whole idea of I've got to be on, got to be on. If I, if I'm not on, someone else is going to be right in there. And the same applies whether it's in, in high performance sport or whether it's in business, as you as you point out, entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm I've got a event next week, and I'm talking around this healthcare and leadership uh, to CEOs, GMs, and COOs, CFOs, etc. For uh, um, uh, consulting firms around Australia and New Zealand, and this is the the reality that if you don't take the time, if you don't focus on yourself, you can't give. Uh, the same respect to your staff or to your um, your reports. So I liken it to running an engine at full revs constantly. We know intrinsically that's bad for the engine. We ain't going to do that, right? We're not going to keep that going. But when it comes to us as human beings, we don't apply the same logic. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that we can get from conversations like this, is actually taking the emotional aspect out, bring the logic back to that that conversation. And I I had a wry smile when you were talking about sitting in that locker room, right, being surrounded by your peers. So I did, I got, uh, I had a chat with my acting agent for, uh, I I was on the set of Spartacus, so I've just been filming uh, a few years back. And I'd brought my agent in to come and see an improv show that I was working on. And we sat down beforehand having a chat. And I just sat with her and says, oh, Liz, you wouldn't. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm looking around at all these amazing actors and they're phenomenal and they're just so, you know, the stature is so massive and they're doing what they're doing. And I just feel like I'm just a complete, you know, has-been and a fraud in that situation. And she sat there and she laughed. She just put the, threw her head back and laughed. And she goes, ah, Greg, you actors are all the same. She says, I have the same <laughs> conversation with every single actor on my books, every single time that we do one of these things. She said, did you audition for it? I says, yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. You're there because of who you are, because you're good at what you do. Just mm-hmm. you believe it. That was a good, um, it was a good kick in the bum. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, right? Like, you, you say bringing more logic into into these things, and I actually had this conversation with with Ellis uh, yesterday about about CBT, and he said like basically CBT is trying to bring logic into your brain and how your like your belief systems, and I think the, the where we where we came from because both of us have done CBT and it hasn't worked for us is like. I think the thought is that there's some aspects to it where that would work. And then there's some aspects that aren't. And I think a lot of the things like Greg, you mentioned PTSD and trauma and stuff in childhood. And it's like a lot of trauma informed beliefs. You can't just logic your way out of them. Right. (laughs) And, And I think that that's a struggle for people who are very like for me, who's a very like front front lobe guy. I like data. I like statistics. And it's like it's very hard for me to reconcile this whole idea of like, well, why am I not acting rationally? Like I should be. <laughs> like in economics, they say everyone's a rational actor at all times. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. I think humans are irrational actors the majority of the time. Exactly. That's the, the bearing out, right? Yeah, that's a, right. that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. We are emotional beings and emotions have a tendency to 
rear their head quite irrationally at times, especially in high stress situations, especially when your belief systems are being challenged, which is happening constantly in today's world. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that one of the challenges uh, that I have, uh, and I think a lot of people do from an emotional standpoint, is that very early in my life, uh, I found a way of compartmentalizing the emotion, uh, right, to be able to put it to one side because it didn't serve the needs of the child. So mm -hmm. uh, I found that if I could disassociate myself from the, the, the situation I was in, therefore everything's fine. And, of course, that's, that's a, a necessary safety mechanism for that situation. It's not a great <laughs> tool to use if you want to form relationships or you're going to continue to build those relationships in. And uh, I'm 52 and I'm still still trying to find the keys to unlock all these different elements um, of, of that. And it's only re recently that I've come to the realisation that from a, of, the, of the PTSD side of things, uh, all through my late teens, early 20s, if I was in a situation where I would have people, uh, a couple would be arguing in the same room, raised voices, hair standing up on the back of my neck, I could feel that sort of freeze coming in. And it's it's been good to be able to recognise that. And of course, if you, can, if you can name something, if you can actually put a label on it, you can go, ah, that's what that is. Cool. Now I can find a way around that situation. I think that's part of the process of life is, is being able to recognize these elements. But the only, or the thing that's been really beneficial is conversations like this, because we start to get an insight into other people and how we track through life in, in similar situations. But I liken it to innovation. And one of the tenets of innovation is having multiple sources of inspiration. And so I, this is, if there's anything that we can do here in this space, in the mental health field, is that continue to innovate and continue to have inspiration from those people around us. And we hope in, in this conversation, we're all hoping that anything that we might say here has an insp inspiring factor to the listeners. Yeah, for sure. And and Greg, something I want to ask you about is just like where I'm at, where you, you mentioned like you just learned about your PTSD and just, I did as well a few months ago. And I guess, I guess like what I struggle with is the deeper I get into this, the more problems I feel like pop up. And yet I don't feel like I'm getting more solutions. I'm just getting more <laughs> problems. Like how, how do you reconcile? Like, first off, I guess like you've had that experience and like, how, how have you been able to manage your expectations around that or or just even going through it as these new pop things pop up like how do you, are you able to deal with that uh good question it, and i think there's there's good days and and uh less than optimum days <laughs> i think where uh where you have to um Take a moment to recognize the experience you're having and experience the emotion that you're you're uh, that, that's exhibiting, and understand that it is a moment that it's not forever, uh, and and be able to in some way make sense of it. I kind of like it's like a database, like you're building a database of who you are over time, and each time. Uh, 
you find something out. It's also, you know, it's like a like a lottery scratchy card, right? <laughs> it's like covered in a grey film, and then you scratch a little piece off, and you find a number underneath it, or whatever, whatever it might be, or a symbol. That's kind of how I picture this: is that what we're doing is we're taking this mask that we've had on ourselves for so long, and we're taking pieces off it, and and eventually we, we're going to find some connection points between those those elements. But there is an emotional element that goes with it. One of the other factors that I'm finding as well is the challenge that my father's still alive. So this is a, a, a challenge for me is to reconcile the individual who I experienced as a kid and the individual who is still my father in my life now. And how do I ma- maintain this weird juxtaposition of someone I love, but at the same time is a real, uh, was an incredible threat. And those, those, those aspects are in the same person. He's not the same person now that he was then, but he is the same person he was then. Mm-hmm. So, and at no, at no point has, uh, has he recognized or, or uh, spoken in any kind of way of contrition about things that happened as we were growing up. So that's another factor as well. And ultimately it's not up to, him to do anything but it's up to me to reconcile my experience in a way that is healthy for me so each each day each (laughs) each conversation each moment is something new and as long as i think we as long as we recognize that these are new things that we're finding out stuff and that we can then just tick it off benchmark it and not overly react to as, as much as we can to our own self-revelation, uh, we're still the same. We're still the same person we are, we were before, right? We're just growing. We're just learning, and that—that's really the whole thing about life: is the constant growth that we have as individuals. Not to say that it's not um, doesn't have effect because it certainly does. Uh, and uh, today is one of those days. So it's what I sort of uh, uh, got up this morning and went, okay, well, it's, it's, a, it's a wet concrete day. So let's, let's just put ensure that I'm just ticking off my strategies because I have set, a set, thing, set of things that I do that work well for me. Uh, and it's like going back to basics. Okay, cool. Exercise. So I got up this morning, went for a run. It's completely black outside. I'm just running through the streets. Uh, it's cold, it's re- it's refreshing, and it's a, a reinforcement of why do I do this? I do this because it has effect. You know, that sense of goal setting, that sense of energy and endorphin um, the, uh, rush that goes with it. Um, and then uh, do some from a, a nutrition standpoint, get a good breakfast, make sure I've got some uh, taking multivitamins. I do vitamin B, do, you know, all the little things. So you go tick, 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 keep on moving through. So we can we can we can persevere we can keep going just i don't know i'm starting to ramble now but (laughs) but it's good fun i liked i liked what you talked about too in terms of like noticing those things and well first off you said like i have good days and i have less than optimal days and and looking at it from a more neutral standpoint and and not labeling it as like this big horrible bad thing and thereby placing judgment on it by saying, well, this is bad. This is not good. Well, we're looking at it as like, oh, it's not 
optimal, but hey, I'm still here <laughs> and I can still do all these things that help me. And and then also what you touched on, which I love, is is diving into things with curiosity and, yeah. and keeping it at a curious level instead of the like, oh my God, what am I going to find today? <laughs> what's lurking behind the shadows and what's going to come and like show me that I, again, have so much work to do because it, it it's so much about the perspective that you have on things. And if you can engage this curiosity aspect and say, what can I learn about myself? What can I continue to broaden my knowledge on or my self-knowledge on? That's inevitably going to end up help me understand what's going on better is, is such a, a pivotal, a pivotal um, lens to use. And, and when I think when you stop looking at things from such a judgmental lens mm. and switch to that, I'm curious, I want to know more, that it can change everything. Hugely. Uh, I think mm. curiosity is, is just that thing you've got to have. I mean, I say, and I constantly say this, that I'm constantly and insanely curious about human behaviour. I, I I love watching people. I find myself sort of cocking my head to one side and going, wow, why are you doing that? How do you do that? And if I'm talking about myself or I'm talking about somebody else, it's just like looking at the nuances of, of behaviour, uh, which is perfect from an actor's standpoint. And training as an actor and training as an improviser, you only have the moment. In fact, every single transaction we have is just that in that moment. So as an actor, you're trained to observe your own moments so that you can then replicate those moments. Uh, but you never replicate them in the same way, or you should never replicate them in the same way uh, because mm -hmm. every single moment's different, right? Uh, but curiosity about ourselves, about life, about how, how we track through the world is critical. If we're not curious, we're then we're choosing not to learn. And the moment you stop learning is when you start dying. So mm -hmm. I, I really, I love that that word curiosity how, how did you get there greg like how did you get there from because you you, you kind of mentioned it right you said you said like you know fortunately i survived and now you have this different outlook and i think it's something i still struggle with every day right is like you know it's like yes learning's great but if it doesn't have a purpose it feels to me there's still some aspect there that feels like, is it even, is there a point to it? Or am I just like learning stuff about myself for the purpose of learning stuff? Like, I don't know. Like I'm still struggling with, with how, how do I like bridge the gap of all of this stuff? I, again, it's a, it's a very good valid question. Um, and I think it's, it's the same question that I asked myself. Uh, and I think we probably all ask ourselves as well, is, you know, <laughs> the big existential question, what's it all about? <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's the point? Uh, and and the, the point for me is there is so, there is so much. There is, there is, the world is so big. There are so many things that are unknown to me that I want to know. Uh, and I've, there's an element of satisfaction in that as well is that I'm not satisfied and I, and I continue. I'm not, 
I think it's probably one of the challenges with high performance too, isn't it? Is that you're never satisfied. And there's, there's never a point, you're aiming for perfection, but you're never going to be perfect, but you obviously keep on trying to be perfect. But we, by, by sheer, the sheer nature of it, is that every single thing we do is never going to be good enough because we're never going to be trying to, never get to that point of perfection. But we need, need to step ourselves back a little bit, bit from that to be able to go, is it good enough? There's a lovely guy here, um, his name's uh, Gilbert Inoka, and he's the mental skills coach for the All Blacks and uh, our national rugby team. And so he speaks about being your best. He says you don't have to be your best all the time. Don't be your best all the time. It's, it's, it's impossible to achieve. He says, but be your best when your best is needed. And I think it's a really lovely phrase, and it takes off a huge amount of pressure that we put upon ourselves. It's like, oh, we've got to be doing the best every time. The moment in a business sense, I've walked into the office, I've got to do the best, I've got to do everything, I've got to clear all my emails, I've got to, here's my list of things I've got to do, I've got to be the best. It's like, no, what's here? What's now? What's in front of us? What do you really need to do right now? That, that sense of having having goals, having moving forward with with who you are and what you do, but don't let yourself be defined by a predetermined path and sit here and go, well, I, I, I have to go down this path. I have these um, continuous uh, tangents. I'll see something and go, whoa, that's interesting. Have a look at that. And you follow the path down. There's somebody called me a scanner once. They said you've got a personality type called a scanner, which means that you you track down a path until you're satisfied. You don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to be the best at it. But just to the point where you go, yeah, I could do that. So over the course of my life, I've done all sorts of things. I'm a, I've done free fall parachuting. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, just get up and have, and have a go. I don't want to do any more of it. I've done it. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like, it's like I did it. It was cool. It's a, it's a, a, I did a... a uh, an accelerated free fall course, which is which is really cool. I'm a diver. I've dived and did, done done wreck diving. Um, I've flown planes. I haven't got a license. I don't need to get a license. I've soloed and gone cross country. I don't need to do any more than that because I've done enough. Um, but I'm curious. I was you know curious about it, and I'm fascinated by all these different things. But it's just to satisfy myself. So if that you can generate that level of curiosity, Rob, that it's just about what's what's over that horizon what's around that corner and i've ta- i've said you and i've spoken about this before but i have this thing my company's called peak ward limited uh peakwood as in heading towards the peak and it only came about because my surname's ward and my wife's surname is peak so we've put our two names together and we've called it peakwood but i have this vision for us and i made this little logo for the company which is just two strokes of a pen and it's just a mountain uh and I have this thing about learning and knowledge in that I'm always heading towards the peak. And so when I learn something, I'm like a mountain climber. I take a step up that mountain. But because I'm climbing upwards, it gives me more view. So now I can see further to the horizon. And every time I take a step upwards, it shows me that there is even more that is still to learn. So I learn some more and take another step up the mountain, which opens up the vista even more. So now I realize there's even more to learn. So I continue this process and I have this vision for myself that the tip of that mountain is where I know everything and I know nothing because everything is revealed to you at the top of the mountain. 
And so I think that's Zen. My version of Zen <laughs> at the tip top of that mountain. And I'm never going to get there. It's impossible to get to that top of that mountain, but I will continue to climb that mountain because each time I climb, I can see more and do and do each of those steps. That's my, <laughs> that's my philosophy on life. <laughs> Greg, you're, you're like such an interesting guy. And it's just funny, right? It's like, don't you already know you know nothing? And so there you're at the top of the mountain already, right? <laughs> Or, or you're at the bottom. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, no, it's it's funny, right? Like, yeah, I, I to be honest, I ask these questions because I'm curious, right? And, and I think I'm in this place where my day-to-day, the wars that I have day-to-day are really around this because I'm really trying to find this purpose about this whole journey. And I, and I think a lot of people have told me, like, you know, that God is that or, or um, you know, a higher power, whether whatever. And it's, I don't know, it's not for me. That's all. I, I guess that's where I'm at right now is it's not for me. And I'm trying to figure out what is for me. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, I, I had a good crack at religion <laughs> when, I was, when I was young. <laughs> and uh, I became a born again Baptist, and I, as much as my own spiritual ideals had some place in that, it was generated to a great extent by the needs of other people for that kind of environment. And it didn't take me too long to realise that that uh, it was driven by human desire, nothing to do uh, uh, in relation to the organization, not due to any great spirituality. And it just, I became extremely disillusioned. And so, yeah, that's, it's not for me. It's not my, it hasn't been my path. It's not, and uh, not denigrating anybody else's um, beliefs. It's just not mine. It's not my, where, where I am. Uh, and that's, for me, is a really interesting par- uh, dichotomy because as a as a singer, I trained as an opera singer, and and a lot of the music that you sing is religious in nature, particularly when you're doing things in oratorio, um, which is specifically all from the the Bible. I find it incredibly uplifting. It's a beautiful thing. It's just the the sense behind it, or the sense of spirituality behind it, is phenomenal. So I can see and sense that and feel that and enjoy that, but it doesn't mean that I have to give myself over to belief. You know, if if, if you know what I mean. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm scientific and rational, <laughs> and I just have my own sort of uh, place place in the world with how I track. Well, well, we just talked about it. you're irrational, but that's another story, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I definitely agree with that. And, and I think, like, I th- honestly, like, I think it would be incredibly helpful if I could have faith and belief, because I think that when it gets dark, I think it's, that's when having that ability to lean on something outside yourself mm. would be so incredibly helpful. And yet, there's something that's preventing me from doing this. And, you know, I would say that it's the data, it's the science. I don't know. It's probably not that, but there's something there. It's probably, to be honest, it's probably just how I was raised. Like, I think that that's probably where it comes from. (laughs) 
It could be, but I, we have cats. We've got three cats, and I believe in cats. So they're, <laughs> they, they are completely, actually, a cat's a wonderful thing we used to focus on because they are completely individual, and that what they do is what they want mm-hmm. all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. You cannot get a cat to do anything that it doesn't want to do. And as much as you think it likes you and wants to be with you, it doesn't. They're really, just as long as you're a food source. But they're fascinating. Um, George Bernard Shaw said, if you put a black cat on a stage in front of a crowded theatre, the audience would not be able to take its eyes off that cat because the cat has no self-conscious at all, right? It's got the biggest ego in the world. Every single cat thinks it's the best cat in the world. There is no, there's, it doesn't have imposter syndrome. There's no cats <laughs> that have imposter syndrome. So, it, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, of, Personally, for me, it's like I really enjoy just watching a cat. Weirdly, it's um, it, it, it it seems to work. But I was talking about the element of belief is that we don't necessarily need to have. We can often get caught up in this giant big picture of like, oh, what does it all mean? And I should be doing this, and I wish I had that. When we really can help ourselves in a great way by focusing only on what's here just here what's here in front of me what's right here's my cup of coffee what does it feel like what does it smell like what does it taste like those elements there's a there's a lovely lovely exercise which is when we get too involved in the process of of how big the world is and how how small we are and how challenging everything is there's that sense of doing the five senses thing so you know five things we can see four things we can um uh is it touch um Three things we can um, uh, smell, thing, uh, hear, and, hear and taste. I can't recall exactly the order they go in, but doing that as an it's an anti-anxiety tool. Five, four, three, two, one. It's just count down. Um, plus, it's actually rooting us in the moment because if, we, if it's five things we can see and name, we're here. We're not in our head. We're not anywhere else. So, as a technique, is to continue to keep coming back to base who we are. And that other little element of gratitude. What are we grateful for? What's the, what, what is the, what is the thing that we are grateful for right now? Grateful that I've got a roof over my head and, and people in Texas are not exactly in that, um, uh, room now. So we are, uh, I don't have to worry about where my next meal comes from, which is for 75% of the planet. Can't say that. So we're, we are, you know, it's quite, it's easy to find something to be grateful for. And it doesn't have to be massive things. It just has to be something that's personal to us. It keeps on coming, bringing us back outside of that loop of thinking about the past or thinking about the future. Closer we can get to ourselves here in this moment, I think, is where we need to reside. I love it. And your cat doesn't have to worry about his next meal as it pushes your coffee cup onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Greg, just, just wrapping up here. Do you have anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, That's the first thing that jumped in my mind right then was there's always hope. There is always hope. Uh, no matter how bleak, no matter how dark, there's always hope. Uh, and it really does 
begin with talking. <laughs> as uh, as simple as that sounds, and and we, one of the things about that is is that we often, particularly for men, I'll, I'll say this is because my experience life is is through my own experience, is we really don't want to share. We don't want to share uh, to be to be viewed as needing help or having weakness. And we often, people like us now, will often say, oh, you know, share and talk to people, you know, go and talk to your best friend, go and talk. But nobody wants to talk to their best friend. We have societal setups, right, that, that all the way through life with our friends, we jockey for position. And so it's very challenging as a male to go off and chat with uh, one of your best mates because we've built up a certain set of rules around how that relationship works. But being able to talk to somebody who's not quite in that realm has power. That we, that we are, that they don't necessarily have um, a powerful play with you in a, in a relationship, which sometimes is where therapy works um, for people. Uh, but having a dispassionate voice around you uh, that you feel that you can be comfortable in sharing with is really good. Uh, I'd also say you know, the, the strategies that I use, and I'll share these um, uh, once again, the strategies that I use work for me. Um, I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, medical professional or any way, shape or form. Uh, it's just stuff that I have found that work over time for myself. Uh, and the first of that is definitely um, exercise. Getting out, setting a goal, getting up, and I have to what I call the dragon of domination. <laughs> I've got to beat that. And that, that one is where it just tells you, no, you don't have to do anything. Don't do anything. I don't want to do anything. Don't. And so you've got to get past that. And the way I do it is I sneakily trick it by when the alarm goes off, um, I don't have, I don't tell myself I have to be anything else apart from open my eyes, just open your eyes. That's what you've got to do. Just open your eyes. And seeing as your eyes are open, why don't you just slide a foot out of the bed? Okay, well, seeing as you've slid a foot out of the bed, why don't you slide the other one out? And it just gently, step by step, incrementally, tiny, tiny micro goals, I'm standing, I'm dressed, I'm walking out the door. And in that process, each time is a win. And every, every win adds to that sense. And eventually I get to the point where I smile. And it will be, it'll come unbidden. All of a sudden it'll be there. And when I smile, I notice that I'm smiling, which makes me smile more. <laughs> so it's a kind of the self self fulfilling prophecy as I continue to build it up. So that one thing about exercise is so important, not because it's good to go for a run or good to do some kind of physical activity. It's because of the sense of achievement and and goal setting along the way, and they're tiny, tiny, tiny things. So anyone can do a tiny thing, right? You can always do. If you're digging a hole, you can always do one more shovelful. Whatever it is that you need to do, you're building a house, you can always nail one more nail in. So just do one more, no, no matter what it is. So that's it. So ex exercise is great. Alcohol, avoid it, moderate it. Uh, it's not anything good for, good for performance. And nutrition, sleep, get the get the right amount of sleep that you need, and be grateful. Find something to be grateful for. Oh man, I love it. And, and Greg talking about smiling. 
just I love this interview and and I'm smiling now. You turned my day around, so <laughs> I'm pumped to I'm pumped to have you on. I should have done this like we should we should figure out a time. It's probably in the middle of the night for you, but I needed you in the morning to get me fired up for the rest <laughs> of the day. <laughs> Greg, if anyone listening wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me uh, pretty much on all social media by uh, hitting across to which of you is your favorite social media and typing in Greg Ward MC. Um, that'll connect with me. My website's gregwardspeaker.com. Um, so feel free to jump on there. And uh, I tend to do a bit of whimsy on Instagram under Greg Ward Creative. Um, so I'm throwing a little bit more up that. It's a bit of my arts up there and, and, and stuff as well. So it's just a bit of a creative outlet for uh, anything that takes my fancy. There's no real thing to it. <laughs> it's, it's just... <laughs> It's just fun. But I look, I, I've had a ball uh, on here. Lauren, lovely to meet you finally. Um, and uh, lovely to hear you speak. Uh, certainly would, would uh, relish um, coming back and delving more into uh, your experience as well. Um, and Rob, as always, mate, fantastic to be on. And uh, you just keep up the magnificent work that you do. I love it. I, and Lauren, any final words for the audience? What, 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 do you, what did you take out of this episode? Um, so, I mean, number one, thank you, Greg, so much for coming on. I enjoyed listening to you speak and, and hearing your perspective on things. And the, the biggest thing that I took uh, from, you know, what we talked about today and, and appreciate Greg saying like, hey, this is stuff that has worked for me. So I can't say that it's going to work for anybody else. But I do think that there is some universal success part in what you do and that it's you break down all of your big goals into small tiny steps and you make sure to notice when you've done something well you celebrate the victory of just opening up your eyes in the morning of getting a foot out of bed and to a lot of people that sounds like like seriously i'm going to well obviously i open my eyes well no it's not obvious it's, it's part of the journey to doing a bigger thing. And the more that you learn to validate those successes and understand that every single step you take towards doing that big goal is a victory in and of itself, the more likely you are to keep engaging in those behaviors that are helping you get through life in a more sustainable way. So if there's something that people can take from this episode, I think it's how extremely helpful and beneficial it is to chunk things up into small bite-sized pieces that you can validate constantly throughout the day. I love it. And it's a lesson I need because I, when Greg, you were talking about it, I was like, man, if if I could even lie in bed an extra hour or hit the snooze button, I would be like incredibly different than who I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everyone, everyone who listened, you know, I, thanks. First off, thanks for listening. And we really appreciate you. If you could hit subscribe and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, we would love that. And for everything High Performance Narrative, you can go to our website, highperformancenarrative.com. You can see Lauren's services. You can see my services. You can reach out to us. And if you want to hit us up, well, also follow us on Instagram, follow us on LinkedIn. And if you want to hit us up with any questions or you want to get in touch for any reason, you can email Lauren at Lauren at highperformancenarrative.com. And you can email me at Rob at highperformancenarrative.com. We'd love to hear from you.
everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week.